0: You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Podcast. Find out more about Northside by visiting us online at northsideweb.org. So I want to start off this morning by asking a very, very spiritual question. And if the answer is yes to this question, just simply raise your hand. And remember, this is church. It's a safe zone. It's a judgment-free zone. All right, are you ready? How many of you are currently playing in a fantasy football league. Okay, be honest, playing in fantasy How many have ever played fantasy football before, or fantasy basketball, or fantasy baseball, all that stuff? Okay, all right. I can tell you that this year is the first time in the last seven years that I have played fantasy football. I did a few years ago, and I just was terrible at it. I hated it, so I just gave up on it, and I quit. But when Brad, our next-gen pastor, asked me to play this year, I agreed only because I thought it would be a good bonding experience with some other fellow staff and some other young men from the church. And honestly, I've had a lot of fun, partly because I've won more games than I've lost. And as. It has a lot of good conversations and we joke back and forth the 10 guys that are in this league together. Now the winner of our league gets to choose a restaurant to eat at at the end of the season and all the losers buy his meal. Not something like Ruth Chris fancy, but something more like Chick-fil-A fancy, all right? I can promise you there is no gambling involved. We don't bet any money. It is strictly just for fun and for relationship building and for bragging rights. Now here's the setback. Fantasy football Has become just a little bit addictive for me. I find myself watching more football than normal, paying attention to specific players that I would have never paid attention to before, and spending way more time on my roster than I should. In fact, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, I have woken up in the middle of the night multiple times over the last month to take the dog out or go to the bathroom and when I come back to the bed I don't lay down and close my eyes and go to sleep. What do I do? I pick up that stupid phone and I click on the Yahoo Sports app and I start changing my roster and reading up on the health of my players and trying to do anything to get an advantage just to win. I know that is totally dumb and embarrassing and I'm ashamed to admit it. Now here's the spiritual connection. As I was lying in bed at 4 a.m. just two weeks ago, changing my roster, I had a revelation. A very humbling question came to my mind that caused me to be embarrassed and to shut my phone off in disappointment. And the question is this. What if I spent as much time on spiritual growth as I do on fantasy football? And that's a question that every single person in here can ask. Even if you don't play fantasy football fill in the blank with whatever that thing is that consumes your free time what if I spend as much time on spiritual growth as I do on shopping or watching tv or playing sports or going to the gym or browsing social media or working overtime what impact would that make in my life What impact would that make in the circle of family and friends that I directly influence? What impact could that have on my church? And I want you to understand that none of these extracurricular things are bad or sinful. Fantasy football is not bad. Shopping is not sinful. However, they do consume our time. Precious time that we could be spending on intentionally growing as a disciple Of Jesus. We continue today in our series called I Love My Church, and our goal is to help you understand and put into practice four very tangible ways that you can love Jesus more so that others can see our love for Jesus and in turn love his church as well. I want to say that again because it's very crucial to understand for this series. Our purpose, our goal is to share with you four practical, tangible ways that you can love Jesus more so that others see your love for Jesus and in turn love Jesus but also love his church. Because the truth is, you cannot separate those two things. While it's very popular today to say, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. Organized religion isn't for me, but Jesus is okay. He's all right. Jesus is my homeboy. Do you guys remember those t-shirts from a few years ago? A lot of the famous actors and actresses were wearing Jesus is my homeboy. That's popular to say. While that's popular, and many people have valid reasons to discredit God and to walk away from the church, this is not the church that God designed. The organized religion that people are walking away from is not the church that God sacrificed his son for. Those inside these walls and outside must realize that every church is led by imperfect leaders and filled with imperfect people members we sometimes make poor decisions and you know what we disagree on everything from doctrine to decor we get deceived by the devil and we give into temptation we stumble and we fall but together amidst all of our dysfunction we make up the perfect body of christ and that is only because of one reason jesus jesus living inside of us So that means in a culture where so many people say, you know what, I'm good with Jesus, but I hate the church, they've completely missed something. They've completely missed something. And honestly, that's on us. That's on those of us who claim to be followers of Christ. Here's why. It is our job as followers of Jesus to help them connect the dots. When we do this, we will help those who are lost the people who are disillusioned with the church, those post-Christians who grew up in the church all the way through high school but then left in college and didn't come back because they saw there was a big difference and they were hypocrites. We will help those who are ready to throw in the towel that are on the fence. We will help them see that Jesus and the church are not divided, but Jesus and the church are one. And hopefully we can get them to say, I love my church. Last week we learned the first practical step to do this is to love radically. That's what Robin talked about, loving radically. This morning we're going to look at spiritual growth. And as we read throughout Scripture, we find that disciples of Jesus grow intentionally. We grow intentionally. Now, there's on the backside of your programs, there's a whole lot of blank space. We didn't do the fill in the blanks. We're not going to do that anymore. We want you just to write down whatever you feel that you want to write down. If I say something or whoever's up here says something that stands out to you, jot it down so that you remember it. Maybe this is one. Disciples of Jesus grow intentionally. Because when we grow intentionally, it has a positive impact on us, as well as everyone else around us. And this is another connection point between Jesus and the church. So this morning, I just want to simply encourage you by sharing three simple ways that you and I can grow intentionally in our faith. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 6. You can use your Bible apps on your phone or you can follow along on the screen. Colossians two. Starting in verse 6, here's what the Apostle Paul says. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Now, I want to draw your attention to that phrase in verse 6. Continue to live your lives. Continue to live your lives. In the Greek, that is one word. It is the word peripateo. Peripateo, and it means to walk. Continue to live your lives to walk or carry on. Persevere. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. Paul's encouraging the Christians in Colossae as well as us today to continue in the faith that has already begun in our lives. The mental image is of a well worn path that you make by consistently living for Christ. A well worn path is what he's talking about. We want to walk daily with Jesus and create a clear path for others to follow. So, in other words, when people observe your life, they should see a path to Jesus. When people observe your life, they should see a path to Jesus. Can that be said of you? Can people go where you go, do what you do, say what you say, live how you live, and end up at Jesus? Can they walk a mile in your shoes and end up at Jesus if we want others to love the church by observing our lives and our love for Jesus then we must pateo. we must walk and continue to live our lives in him and that begins by choosing to grow intentionally and here's how we do that the first way we must be rooted in Jesus That's what verse 7 says. Paul says, be rooted in Jesus. Think of a sturdy tree with its roots that have extended deep and wide. The deeper the roots, the stronger the tree. So that when the wind and the rain and the storms and the fires that we just sung about, the fires of life come our way, we will not sway back and forth, but we will remain strong and sturdy. We must be rooted in the soil of Christ and daily nourished by him which would result in good fruit being produced. Here's what Jesus says about fruit. Matthew chapter 7, 17 through 20, he says, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is what? What does he say? cut down and thrown into the fire thus by their fruit you will recognize them in the last year last eight months Bree and I have had three trees fall in our backyard we've had a cedar tree a hickory tree and an ash tree all fall down and then just two weeks ago we had to have two other ash trees taken down because they were all a danger of hitting the house now all five of these trees had something in common what was it They were dead. They were all dead trees. Dead trees are dangerous and unproductive and are only good for one thing. What is it? Firewood. Yes, they're only good for firewood. So I got plenty of firewood now, but the point is this don't be a spiritually dead tree. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't be a spiritually dead tree. Because a dead tree is good for nothing but fire wood. Nobody would want to attend or love a church that is full of dead trees. Why? Because people are drawn to life. We're drawn to vibrance, we're drawn to health and hope and strength. And all of these are things that we have if, if we remain rooted in Christ. So what kind of tree are you? Are you alive? or are you dead spiritually if you are living what type of fruits are you producing who are you sharing that fruit with are you productive because your priorities are rooted in the soil of Jesus or are you being swayed back and forth by the world are you about to fall over When the storms of life attack, are you being uprooted because maybe, just maybe, your faith in Jesus is not as deep as it could be. There are many ways to remain rooted in Jesus, but I think the most important thing that we can do is to spend quality time with him. Quality time with Jesus is the most important thing we can do. Multiple times throughout the Gospels, we read that Jesus retreated from the crowd. He pulled away from his disciples just so that he could be with his Father. Mark 1.35 tells us that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. The next few verses state that everyone wanted him. He was needed at work he was needed by his friends he was needed by strangers but that did not stop him from getting up and leaving them it didn't stop him from hitting the pause button and spending time with God you see regardless of the pressures that were around him Jesus understood that the most important thing he could do was to spend time with his father and it's no different for us today I know I know that we all have quotas to meet and papers to write and people to visit and problems to solve, but the one thing we need most before any of that is to be with Jesus. So make sure that you are setting time in your day to do just that. Now, it may be in the morning time, just like it was for Jesus. That's personally when I like to have my quiet time with God is in the morning before the day gets started. Maybe you're not a morning person. Maybe you can't function before coffee and before 9 o'clock. And if that's you, okay, spend some time with Jesus during your lunch break. Or maybe it's in the evening time once everything is kind of settled down. Whatever time you can find, spend it with Jesus as long as it is quiet, quality time with him. And what we do during that time, it can vary, and that's okay. Some days we'll read and just meditate on scripture. Some days we'll pray and have a conversation with our spiritual dad about what's going on in our lives and how uh, we can live better for him, how he can help us. Some days we may just simply turn on Spotify and listen to some Christian worship music and let the words inspire us to grow deeper in our faith. Some days we may fast from food and technology so that we can focus more intently on Jesus. I was just talking with someone right before service, and she said that she, fo- uh, she fasted for just a few days, two or three days, And it really helped her connection with Christ. And she said, I asked God for three specific things during my fast. And you know what? He answered all three of those things. It works. It works. I pray that we are doing a combination of all of these things on a consistent basis. Think about this. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to step away from all the noise and hit the pause button, How much more do you and I need to do that? Remember, if we want someone to love the church, they must see our love for Jesus through our daily walk with Him. And that leads us to the second expectation, to grow spiritually, we not only have to be rooted in Jesus, but we must be built up in the truth. That's what Paul says in verse 7, rooted and built up in Jesus. That phrase, built up, it's an architectural term. It means that it's this idea that God is doing a project in us. He's engineering. He's designing us. He's doing a work in us. Now, sometimes, sometimes we don't like the blueprints, do we? Sometimes we want to kind of have a little argument with God and say, God, I, I know you're trying to shape me to do this over here, but hold on now. That's not what I wanted. That's not the, the picture that I had in mind. And we just try to argue back and forth with God. We don't like how long the project takes or what we have to endure while God is at work in us. And instead of allowing God to mold us and to build us, we have a tendency to kind of push back and we wind up just going through the motions. And the result of that that I see time and time again are Christians just coming to church and checking off a to-do list. We clock in for an hour, we clock out, and we continue to live our lives the way that we want to, not the way that God wants us to. And what I want you to know that there's so much more to a relationship with Jesus than just one hour on a Sunday morning. Here's a challenge for all of us, and this is me included. I already told you, don't be a spiritually dead tree. Here's your second challenge. Don't put a timer on Jesus. Don't put a timer on Jesus. This is an easy trap for us to fall into because honestly, that's how we function every single day. We are run by a clock, right? At work and at school, we know that there are classes to attend. They start and they end at a certain time. We have meetings to go to. They start and they end at a certain time. We run from agenda to agenda to agenda with this mentality of hurry up and wait. Hurry up and get there and then I gotta wait till it starts. Then I gotta wait till it ends. Then I gotta hurry up and get to my next appointment, wait till it starts, wait till it ends. But we shouldn't have that mentality when it comes to church. We shouldn't think, all right, I've got sixty minutes, and then I'm out of here, I'm gone, I'm on to the next thing. For our roots to grow deep and wide in Christ, this is a mentality that we really need to shift. And I completely get it, that there are sometimes, sometimes when we've got a plane to catch. Or we, it's the fact that we've got to go to work and it starts 30 minutes after and we've got a 25-minute drive, so we need to cut out a little bit early. Or maybe you've got your child's sporting event that starts at 1 p.m. and you've got to get there. Hey, I get it. Bree and I have to be at the field at 1 p.m., today for a prior championship flag football game and then we've got to go to Paley's soccer game immediately after that but you know what I was here at seven I'll be here till 12 and we'll still make it to the football field by one o'clock can I just challenge you to make those things the exception and not the norm Make them the exception and not the norm. Because what happens is if we come to church and it's nothing more than a to-do list, if it's something that we just check off, then we miss out on all the opportunities to be built up in the truth. Not only that, but we miss out on the opportunities to build community with the body of Christ. And that's one of the things that I love most about Northside, is that we are a family of believers and we are connected and united. I'm reminded of this fellow here. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. His name is Mingo Gary. I met Mingo back in June, and his first time on this campus, he came to the Home Essentials uh, service project that we do once a month. And that was his first time. His girlfriend Bridget invited him. He came, I was able to share my testimony that evening with everybody there, and it really touched him and connected with him. So we talked afterwards. And I promise you, I, have, I don't think that he has missed a Sunday since June. Every single Sunday that I have been here, Mingo has been here. He is coming consistently. He was baptized one month ago right here uh, on stage. And he told me, yeah, you can clap for that. What he has shared with me from June until now is that he loves Northside and he loves coming on Sunday mornings. In fact, he said, this is the highlight of my week. I have to come to church because it is the only thing that gets me through the rest of my life. Those were his words. That's what he said to me. And you know what? He doesn't just come for worship and then leave. No, he gets here early. He and Bridget have some coffee and donuts in the cafe. They go to one of the uh, classes. Then they come to here during second service. And after service, they kind of mingle. They hang out. They try to talk to people. And they actually stay in the cafe after everybody leaves just to talk about how to apply the message to their lives. That is such a good example of someone who is trying to grow intentionally in faith and be strengthened and built up in the truth. You see if we want to grow intentionally it requires us being built up in the truth and that truth is Jesus. Jesus says of himself in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The best way to get to know Jesus is by opening up this book and reading about his life. So you can absolutely grow by coming to worship and by sitting in this service because you know what? Like that video said, we preach applicable, relevant messages from the Bible. However, I think you can grow so much more if you just added a little something to that. If you decided to go to a class, a Bible study class, or if you joined a small group, or if you came to one of the women's studies or the men's studies that we have on Wednesday night and Saturday mornings. Because it's here that you get to actually have some dialogue and you get to discuss what God's doing in your life with other believers, and you get to break down what the scripture is. Here, we're just kind of teaching to you, and hopefully it's making an impact, but there's not that dialogue. And I'd love to talk. All right, I could talk to you all day long, and I can go back and forth with you. That's good. But I can't do that on a Sunday morning because we're limited here, but you can do that elsewhere in a small group or a class setting. So I just want to encourage you to take some extra time to develop that relationship with Jesus because none of us are perfect. Have any of you heard of the name Billy Graham? Anybody know Billy Graham? He's one of the greatest, most influential pastors in the last hundred years. He passed away last year, and his wife, Ruth, passed away in 2007. And I heard a story just before Ruth died. As they were driving through North Carolina, headed to their home, they came to a section of road that there was some heavy construction taking place. And what usually would take them about three minutes to zip through actually took them more than 20. And as they neared the very end, there was a construction sign, and Ruth read that, and she told her husband, Billy, she said, I want that on my gravestone. You know what it said? It said, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. And true to his word, this is Ruth Graham's gravestone. And right at the bottom, it says, End of construction. Thank you for your patience. And that's what we are. All of us in here and outside of these walls, we are all a work in progress. We are all a construction zone. Some of us are more messy and complicated than others, and that's okay. Some people just take longer to develop their testimony, and that is fine. Honestly, it doesn't matter. What matters is that through faith we trust in God to do the work. We trust in him to be the builder, the construction project manager. We trust in him to be the potter and we are the clay. Our job is to to submit to his will and his authority and let him work. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Believe it or not, He's working in your life at this very moment. Maybe he's in the process of taking you from a skeptic to a strong believer. Maybe you are a person of fear and he is molding you and shaping you into a person of faith. Maybe you're a person filled with doubt, shame, regret, and you think, I'm too far gone, I'm out of Jesus' reach, church isn't for me you're wrong. Because the truth is, church is for you. That's why Jesus bought the church with his own blood, because you are worth it. You are worth it. He wants you to be in his family. He sacrificed his only son for you. There's no place that you cannot run that God can't find. you. There's no place you can hide where Jesus' love will not reach. You are worth it. So if you want to grow intentionally, You have to be rooted in Jesus. You must be built up in the truth. And lastly, you must be strengthened, and I must be strengthened in the faith. Just like our muscles, our faith can weaken if we're not active. We've already mentioned ways to strengthen and flex our muscles. Quality time with Jesus, diving into his word, attending church and classes in small groups, fasting, praying, listening to worship music. All of these are ways that we can be strengthened in the faith. But there's one I just want to quickly touch on, and that is service. The best way to flex our spiritual muscles, in my opinion, is serving. And Robin's going to spend all next Sunday talking about that. Service. You can serve in the church. There's lots of opportunities You can serve outside of the church. Either way, be sure to flex your muscles for Jesus because he tells us himself in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It is not about us. We do not serve to bring us glory or credit we serve so that people see our lives and our walk, our peripateo, All right, sounds like hairy potato. They see our peri potato, our walk with Christ, and they praise God for that. So how could your life be different if you were intentional about spiritual growth? I know believers who have been in church for 10, 20, 30-plus years. I could name names, but I won't. I know people who have been in church for 30-plus years, and all they've done for 30 years is show up, For one hour on a Sunday morning. Friends, that is not a relationship with Jesus. And I'm gonna sound heavy handed here, but it is not to put you down, it is to wake you up. All right? If you only spent, worked one hour at your job all week long, would you still have a job? No. If you were only to focus on your spouse for one hour a week, would you still be married? No. The same is true with our relationship with Jesus. So if that describes you, would you please, please, please take another step? Just take another step. Maybe for you that next step is coming two hours on a Sunday morning and deciding to join a class or go into a midweek small group. Maybe for you that step is in your marriage. You decide to start your day or end your day by praying with your spouse, not just for your spouse but praying with your spouse maybe for you that next step is going on a mission trip we offer at least three a year here at Northside, and if you can't physically go maybe a step for you is to help somebody financially afford to go on a mission trip or maybe it's simply sharing your testimony to someone else about jesus how jesus has changed your life what if while at work we honored others above ourselves What if we treated those who have a different political or lifestyle view from us with love and grace? Do you realize the type of fruit God could produce if we let him use us? Paul says when you're rooted, when you're built up, when you're strengthened in the faith, something happens. And it's found in that next phrase in Colossians 2 verse 7. He says we begin to overflow with faith. You see, when God does the miraculous in your life, when he changes you from the inside out, you should want to shout it from the rooftops. That joy and that thankfulness should overflow in our conversations and in our actions and our decision-making and in our lifestyle, and it should be something that we simply cannot contain regardless of our circumstances. When someone looks at your life, they should see a disciple of Jesus who is so in love with Jesus that that is attractive and that people want to come to Northside and learn about who that Jesus is. When they walk a mile in your shoes, they must end up at Christ. And it's that type of person who can have the impact on the world and change this mindset of, I hate church, but I love Jesus. No, it's that type of person that can say, I love Jesus and I love my church. So if you're here this morning and you're a skeptic, or maybe you're that person I described earlier, you've been on the fence, you've had one foot in and one foot out for a long, long time. Maybe you're a doubter. Maybe you're a person of fear. I just simply want to ask you, give God a chance. Let him work in you. Let him move through you. Let him mold you into the person that he wants you to be. And if that requires questions, okay, I'm here. I want to talk to you. I want to hear what you've got to say. And we can look at scripture and figure that out. So we're going to sing a song here. And if you have a decision to make, if you have questions to ask, please come. There are people that want to talk to you and pray for you right now. So please stand with me as we close out with this song.